Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Good morning. Glad that you're here today as we worship our great Lord. My name is Aaron Varner and I have the great privilege of being the pastor here. And if you're visiting, we're so glad that you're here with us. For all of you regulars, great to see you. Glad that we can sing. What an awesome God we have. Open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Daniel. We're going to jump right in. Last week, I was scared that I would puke all over you. Um, This week, I am scared that I might do the same. Um, And I think that's going to be the common theme as we walk throughout this. Part of it is because I am choosing to chew off a big chunk, and, and we're going to walk through a chapter each week. And so... Just as I encourage you to read chapter 2 this past week, I want to encourage you to read chapter 3 this upcoming week. If you have the opportunity and you would lay the challenge before you, read the whole book. Read it it a couple times. Maybe read it each day uh, or just read a chapter a day. But I would encourage you to at least read chapter 3 and then ask God to show you some truths of his word. And even maybe write down, jot some questions that you would have. Uh, If I don't answer your questions... Uh, This morning, feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to be able to talk about them. I'm sure I won't cover everybody's questions that you may have that you might have written down uh, that you, uh, because of reading of the chapter, I'm just assuming here you all are good students. Amen. Yeah, some of you are like, I didn't say amen. So some of you, uh, let me just encourage you, uh, dig into the word, okay? Dig into the word. It's it's awesome. And uh, and, uh, this morning... um, I took a deep breath after uh, our third song and just kind of sighed. And Lisa's like, what, what's wrong? I said, I'm, I just want to preach the word well today. This is, this is a big passage. There's a lot in it. And let me tell you, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to preach God's word this morning. And uh, um, I want to dig in together. So let's read it. We're going to read all, all, verse, all 49 verses of chapter 2. All right, it'll be up on the screen, but I encourage you, if you have, uh, have your Bible, that you would uh, open it up and follow along with me. I'll be reading from the ESV version, um, and just follow along, uh, take note of what, what takes place and what Daniel records for us, and uh, I don't do this often, but I think I'm going to ask it. Would, would you stand as we read the Word of God this morning? Um, would you follow along? Let's, let's read. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians and the enchanters, the sorcerers and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and they stood before the king and the king said to them, I had a dream and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servant the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word for me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid to ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time 
because you see that the word for me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know that you show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, there is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand for no great and powerful king as has asked such a thing as any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult and no one can show the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arak, the captain of the king's guard who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arak, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arak made the matter known to Daniel and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation of the king to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and he made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belongs wisdom and might. He changes times and season. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you for you have made known to us the king's matters. Therefore, Daniel went to Arach with the king, he had, uh, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. And he went and he said to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arach brought in Daniel before the king in haste and thus said, said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who, make, who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No wise man, men, enchanters, magicians, astrologers can show the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be the latter days. Your dream and the vision of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what it would be after this. And who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than any than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and of ex exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of its image was of fine gold and its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze and its legs of iron and its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand 
And it struck the image of the feet of iron and clay and broke them into pieces. Then the iron and the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold, all together were broken into pieces and become like the shaft of the summer th uh, threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Now, this was the dream. Now, we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory, and into whose hand he has given, wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens, making you the rule, rule over them all. You are the head of gold. Another kingdom, in, kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be forth a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And as you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdoms shall be partly strong and partly brittle. And as you saw the iron mixed with the soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage. But they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in those days, those kings, the God of heaven, will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break into pieces all these kingdoms and shall, and shall bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from the mountain by no human hand, and that it broke into pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of kings, and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts, and made him ruler of the whole province of Babylon, and the chief, chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that we have the opportunity to read it and now to dig into it. And Lord, I just pray that as we dig into it, Lord, it would give us a strength in our faith. That we'd have better understanding, that we gain some wisdom. But Lord, strengthen our faith. So that when we walk out of here, we'll be changed and we'll be different because we met with the true and living God. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this time. Bless it and use it for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So we start and we see in this passage um, the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. And so, again, as we look at the time frame, um, this is roughly 603 B.C. Um, and one of the things that you have to come to grips with is how you are going to align um, the time frame of Daniel and his three companions as they are in their three-year uh, 
learning or indoctrinal nation. And, and, and so in that, they're, they're supposed, chapter 1, uh, verse 8 says that, or 18 says that they were to study for three years the culture and the ways of the Babylonians. So that way when they came and they appeared before the king and were tested, they had the knowledge, but they also could speak fluently in, in, in the Aramaic language. And then also so that they knew the customs of the Babylonians and also they would have known the gods that they worshipped. And so during these three years of learning, what we see here is there's a second year, Daniel records for us here, the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. Now, again, I talked a little bit last week about how how the Judean calendar and how the Babylonian calendar differ and how they have the year of ascension. Um, uh, and so they're off a year. So some scholars would say this is after the three years, because if you have King Nebuchadnezzar in year one, uh, right, he has year one, that's the year of ascension. So he doesn't get really into his first year of reign until the second year. And his second year of reign is really the third year. If you don't follow, that's okay. All I'm saying is you have to wrestle with a little bit of this to figure out the time frame. This is where I land, okay? I, I think Daniel is recording from a Babylonian uh, perspective. That's why he says what he says in the first chapter of the first verse. He's helping us to see, and he's recording this not according to what Jeremiah in his time frame uh, of the Judean calendar, but he's really helping us to see from the Babylonian perspective and from their calendar. Why would he change that in chapter 2, verse 1? I don't think he does. I think this is the, still the second year, and I think it's based upon uh, the Babylonian calendar. And so with that, I think Daniel and his, uh, his uh, friends, his companions, are still in training uh, because it takes three years. All right, so they're not before the king, and that, that's where we see here that as Nebuchadnezzar has these dreams in this, in this second year of his reign, all right, he, he was troubled, and because of that, he seeks the wise men, right? He seeks those who are supposed to have um, the knowledge and the wisdom and the insight uh, to be able to interpret his dreams. And so we see that in verse 2. It says the king was, um, was troubled. Uh, his sleep left him in verse 1. And so then he commanded that the magicians and the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. And so we, what we see is we see some terms here, a couple of them that we've already seen. We're going to check out another term later in our passage that isn't, that's the first time that it's used, but the wise men. We see wise men have, have been mentioned a few times. We'll see them in the, even in the New Testament, right? When the story of Jesus and Jesus' birth and the wise men uh, also could be called astrologers. Well, there are astrologers that are used here as well. Uh, they're the term here used for them, garazin, are they're diviners, they're fortune tellers. They're, they're the ones who can tell you uh, your future, all right? And so when you see astrologers here, uh, it would be a little bit different than the wise men that we see in the New Testament of how they are uncovering and using um, the stars to tell the future. You have enchanters. The, the word here is aspen. They conjure, they, they, they conjure up, they, they, want to, uh, in, in, they want to be as like priests. They're offering insights and they, they bring up the spirits is the, the, the mindset there. And then you have the magicians. The magicians we see is a term that's already been used. And so as, again, 
I think Daniel was written for the, the, the nation of Israel to give them hope. And so as Israel was reading this, they would have reference back when they saw this term to their deliverance out of Egypt. And we see that uh, in Genesis uh, 41 verse 8 and even uh, Joseph and, and, and how that term was used there. But especially in Exodus 7.22 when the magicians turned the water to blood just like Moses had turned the water to blood. And so these magicians had some, uh, the term here is hardenuum. It means engraver or writer. They were somebody who would like be a soothsayer. Um, and they were, they were observing and watching and they would record uh, down these magic powers. And, and it's kind of like you, you open up a, a book and it has all these written, um, you know, potions that you needed in order to do something. And so uh, these terms... Uh, help for us while, while we don't need to know a lot of that. What it does help us to say is there was an exorbitant amount of thought that the Babylonians had that these men uh, obtained power and wisdom and they had an understanding to try to get to the bottom of things that didn't make sense. And so Nebuchadnezzar is troubled in his spirit. He wants to understand what, what does this dream mean because again, during this time, uh, the dreams uh, would God would use dreams to show um, what the future held, and so Nebuchadnezzar doesn't understand his dream, and so he wants to know what does this mean, and so he's he's very um, uh, very sly in how he goes about this, right? Because as he has them come, uh, the end of verse two, so they came in and stood before the king. Says the king said to them, "I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream." Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Now at this point, we are going to shift. Daniel is going to now record everything in Aramaic. Okay, we, we don't see it in English, but from this point forward until the point of the end of chapter 7, which is interesting because chapter 7 and chapter 2 will tie very closely together. Once we get to chapter 7, we're going to reference back to chapter 2 um, uh, very, very closely. And so I think there's a purpose in that. Again, Daniel writing from the perspective of, of the Babylonian perspective and using their language to tell the story. And so as he has them come, we see this term of the Chaldeans. What's interesting is this term of the Chaldeans, we can reference all the way back to Abraham. All right. Sometimes this term Chaldeans is used for, for, uh, for enchanters and those who are the spirit, uh, trying to find out, uh, what the future holds, but it's also a group of people and the group of people we see in Genesis eleven twenty eight, where Abraham left Ur of the Chaldeans. And so we see these are, this is a group of people, even though Babylon, uh, is in charge of the world at this point, we see that the Chaldeans are still having a great influence. There must have been wise men that God used through the ages or Satan used. Both uh, we see that, that here Abraham was going to be drawn out from them to be a new nation, God's only people. Which is interesting because now these people, the Chaldeans, right? These wise men can't deliver. And God even, there's some symbolism, I believe, of God pulling Abraham or Abram back in the day from these people where he was going to say, no, I'm the true and living God. Let me show you. I'm going to set up my people. 
So it's pretty neat, again, as we see this Chaldean say to the king, hey, we, you're going to live forever, right? That's a, just a nice term. It's a, it's a, a, um, a greeting. And they say, hey, why don't you tell us the dream and we'll show you the interpretation, right? The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, no, listen, the word for me is firm. Um, if you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you should be torn limb to limb. Your house should be laid in ruins. Um, but if you show the dream and it's your interpretation, then I'm going to give you lots of gifts. All right, right? Gifts, rewards, honors. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. So twice he's saying to them, hey, show me the dream and its interpretation. First time the Chaldeans say, hey, tell us the dream and we'll, we'll tell you all about it. Second time they answer and they're like, okay. He says, hey, show me this. And uh, they're like, well, verse 7, they answered a second time and said, let the king and his servants uh, let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. So for a second time now, they're like, okay, well, that's great, king, but if you tell us the dream, then we'll, we'll interpret it for you. See, the text tells us even though that, that the king answered, said, I know with certainty what you are trying to gain. You're trying to gain time because you see the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream and I will, I will show you. I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. Meaning, he sees through their smoke screen. He says, hey, listen, I know you're just trying to buy time. And you're trying to get, like, loosen me up to try to give you a few details, right? You ever done that with somebody where... They won't quite tell you what the secret is, but if you talk to them long enough, you might get a few little details out of them. My kids do that to me. You know, or like, hey, dad, can you tell us? No, I can't tell you that. Well, can you? No, I'm not telling you that. And then a few minutes go by. Hey, dad, I was just thinking. And they're just like this little slippery, like they just sly. Sometimes I don't catch it until after I'm like, you, mm. The king sees it here. He knows what their motivation is because they don't have the power because we see how they respond after he says, I'm standing firm. I am not going to tell you what this dream is. Verse 10, the Chaldeans answered the king and said, there is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing as of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with the flesh. Their response is this. One, what you've asked, it's impossible. Two, no king has ever asked this. So what you're asking, king, is wrong because no other king has ever demanded it. And then he come back and say, hey, just so you know, it's so difficult that there is not a man on earth that, in, that can tell you this. Only the gods can do this. The gods who what? What's the text tell us? The gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. From this point on, I believe that Daniel is going to reference this key phrase to make his point about who the living true God is. It's an awesome way of recording it. All right, Daniel is... We, we know he's really intelligent. We read it, all right? We read about him. But how he's going to go about this text is going to really hinge upon this point. 
And so if you want to, you can underline that, that last part of verse 11, that, that to show to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with the flesh. That's going to be what God is going to do. He's going to show them that, yes, no man can do this but the one true living God. Now, remember, at Babylon at this time, they have, they have many gods. They have several gods. There's all kinds of gods. And so when they find or capture another, another nation, they'll take their gods and their things and put them in the temple, uh, their temples, and worship that god as well. So they just keep adding more and more gods. And so they want to make sure they have the favor of all the gods. Well, the magicians and the enchanters and the Chaldeans, they're, they're saying, listen, this is impossible for us to know. We can't know this. Verse 12, the king becomes what? He's like, oh, okay, I understand. No other king's required this, so I'll let it go this time. No, look at the text. He says, it says that he became very angry. He was angry and fur very furious and commanded all the wise men of Babylon to destroy it. Mainly he says, okay, why do I even have you around? If you can't tell me what I need to know about my kingdom and what's going to happen to it, you're done. You're gone. So the decree went out, verse 13, to all the wise men that would be killed. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Verse 14, Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Eric, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men. So here's Eric. Uh, Arach, and he's going to kill Daniel and his companions. Daniel's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What's going on? And so he hears the story, and he replies. His reply that we're going to see here is done with what? Prudence and discretion. So he's not trying to combat, uh, but he's, he's trying to understand, and then he wants to respond in such a way with composure, and I believe with confidence. I think this isn't just, Daniel doesn't tell us these words to puff himself up. I think it's a piece of the living God that still is residing in Daniel, even as he is in the midst of, of, of a people that have tried to teach him and indoctrinate him uh, of false gods and false teachings. God has given him this wisdom, peace, the prudence, the discretion to be able to talk to the captain of the guard who is been commanded to kill him and his companions. And so verse 15, he declared to Arach, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arach made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. As the text goes on here, Daniel has to introduce himself later to the king. I think Daniel goes and he sets up. I don't think he sees the king as he appoints a time. All right. He's appointing the time to meet with the king. Because he, he says, let's, let's set up on our schedule. Let's get out our calendars and we'll set up a time that I can come and talk to you. That would be good. All right. And so they appoint a time and there's a brief window, I believe. I don't think there's much, there's much time in here. It's not like Daniel probably had, you know, three weeks to figure this out. In haste, some of the wording that we see here, the hasteness, the, 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 the anger, the, the violence that King Nebuchadnezzar wanted to bring upon these, these uh, enchanted ones was very firm. And so as we see this, Daniel, verse 17, then Daniel went to his house and what did he do? He goes to his house and he talks to his buddies. He's got some roommates 
right? So his roommates are who? Well, his three friends from Israel that have been taken into exile with him. And so he lets the matter made known to them. What's interesting is they don't know that they're going to be killed yet until Daniel talks to them. So Daniel finds out because he has this interaction with the, the captain of the guard. And he comes and he makes the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And so as he does, he makes the matter known to them. But I think in that, it's not just, hey, the king put out this decree to kill all of us. But it's also the fact that he probably says to them, hey, I set up a time to meet with the king. <laughs> I set up a time to tell him about this dream. So the text tells us that he told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So he says, listen, we've got to pray. What an awesome part here is we, as I said back in verse 11, we see a reference and we're going to see it continually here in verse 18. He told them to seek mercy from who? From the God of where? You can speak. From heaven, right? Which references back to what we see in verse 11, whose God is not amongst the flesh. And where do the gods live? They live up in the heavens. And so Daniel is making a very real reference for his readers and for even us today to be able to understand and say, okay, Daniel and his three companions are going to go and seek mercy and understanding from the God of heaven. That he is able to be accessed. Where the wise men have said, no, we can't access them only on their conditions, only on their terms. The gods don't live among us, earthlings. And so, verse 19, it says it in a very short and brief detailed message, but here it is. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. They're praying. We don't know if they fell asleep. We don't know if they prayed and went to bed. There's some scholars that say, hey, they prayed and they went to bed. There's other scholars that will argue and say, no, they probably were praying and fasting all night long. And it was in the midst of that that God reveals this vision. We don't know the great details of it, but what we do know is God showed up. That Daniel and his three friends sought the Lord. Now notice the names that are used there. It's not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All right, Daniel, again, he's going to be purposeful in how he uses these names. And we're going to see it later as Daniel goes before the king. He uses their Jewish names. Right? Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And their names, right? Yahweh is gracious. Who is what God is? And Yahweh has helped. I don't think it's an accident that Daniel is using their Jewish names here. He's helping, again, the Jewish listeners, the readers, Israel, to understand as they read this text, it's a forthcoming of what they're going to hear. God is going to show up. The true living Yahweh is here. What a picture. And then we see the mysteries revealed. Then Daniel did what? What's that verse say in verse 19? Then Daniel blessed the God of, come on, all right, of heaven. Thank you. The God of heaven. 
Daniel can reference God however he wants. And we see, we saw in chapter one, early part, he references God not as Yahweh there, but as the king. Because he wants to, to help us to understand from the very beginning who the king is. It's not Nebuchadnezzar. God is king and he has power over all. And he will dictate what takes place. Daniel, as he references God here, is helping us to see, once again, his point. The God of heaven. The one who is ruler and over all things. The one who is untouchable, but now Daniel has been touched by him. The one who, who, who can't be referenced by the wise man be, be, between all the other earthlings. We can't gain that knowledge. That's too high. That's too above us. To try to get from him. No king has ever asked that. And Daniel's listen, listen. I want you as my readers to understand here is the God of the heavens. He blessed him. A great, great praise. And it's one of the things that I have before me that I'd love to memorize this section and just to pray it. I want to memorize it because I want, to, I want it rich on my lips. Here's a great passage for you to be able to memorize. You say, you know what? I don't know what to pray. Pray this. What a text. What's Daniel say? Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. Is there anyone wiser than God? Hello. All right. I'm, I'm a little fired up because I love this. All right. So you get fired up with me. All right. Is there anyone wiser than God? Is there anyone mightier than God? Daniel is saying that blessed be the name of God who is forever. Listen, there's no barrier in him. He was, he is, he is to come. And he's saying there is nobody mightier and nobody stronger than you. Nobody wiser. Verse 21, he changes times and he seasons. Have any of you ever changed the season before? No. We may want to. Well, we may not want to. We want to, not may. We do want to. It's too hot. And there's too much snow. It's too cold. We want it just right, 70 degrees with sunshine all the time. We can't do that, but God does. And you know what? He's faithful in that. He changes times and he changes seasons. He is the one who is faithful. While it does show his might and his strength, it shows his faithfulness. Daniel is referencing how even though things change in life, the seasons always still come. says he removes kings and he sets up kings. Oh man, we would be good to remember this. Who's in charge? God is. Come on now. We forget this, don't we? Daniel, I think again, is recording this praise prayer for the readers to understand, even though they were in this time of exile it is God who appointed this. It is God who sets up kings. It is God who takes them away. It's God who is in control of all human institutions. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Are you wise today? I've been called a wise guy before, but not in a good sense. Wise and knowledgeable. We have that because why? Because our God gives it to us. Anyone who is wise understands that and knows that. 
He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness. Can you see what's in the dark? I can't unless I got a flashlight. And usually when I go for a flashlight, the batteries are dead. You know what that's like. Not our God, though. He doesn't need a flashlight. He sees it. There's nothing that's hidden from him. In a dark time when Israel has been slain and captured and taken out, what's he saying? Listen, God sees what's happening in the dark. And then he says this, and the light dwells with him. Goodness is always with our God. To you, O God of my fathers, referencing the heritage that he has come from. This isn't just a new God that has been associated, who has given him this new unfound wisdom. No, this God has been around. The God of my fathers, who they worshiped, who they have testified. I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we have asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. What an awesome picture. What an awesome testimony for us. Oftentimes when I ask God of something and he answers me, I'm quick and I rush away. Man, I'm off to do my thing. Daniel, he takes the time. Before the appointed time to meet with the king, he is going to meet with the king of kings. And he says, listen, I want you to know, God, I could not have done this without you. You get all the glory. You have revealed this to me. Thank you. Verse 24 says, then Daniel went to the captain of the guard, Arach. And I love Eric, Arach. He, he's an interesting guy here because... Uh, um, Daniel's first point of emphasis, we see where his heart is. He says this, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. He tells them right away, hey, listen, don't go out and kill anybody. So Daniel has a compassion for even these other wise men that he's been studying along with for three years. And he goes right away and he says to him, hey, listen, don't go and kill anybody, but take me to the king. He says, I'm going, to, I have the interpretation, take me in. So Arach brought in Daniel before the king, verse 25, in haste, quickly, all right, and says to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretations. This is pretty, like you read through it real quick and you're like, oh, that's nice. But notice, he's taking a little credit here, right? Notice how he says it. He says, I, I have found, I found this guy, right? I have found amongst who? The exiles in Judah. These kids who are over here, I found somebody who can interpret your dream. That way I can get elevated and keep my job. Since the king's already talking about chopping people's necks off here, I don't want to be the next, so let me gain the favor of the king. Hey, king, I found a guy. Verse 26, the king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, so he doesn't probably reference Daniel as Daniel here. And that's what Daniel is telling us. All right. He's referencing Daniel as who? Belteshazzar. And that name 
references, and it's all about worship of Baal. It's about lifting up the God of Baal. And so the king says, okay, servant of the God of Baal, come and reveal this. But Daniel records, again, he's helping us to see the one who has favor with God or Yahweh is the one who God will speak through. And he asked Daniel about to Shazar, are you able to make known the, the dream? I love what uh, uh, J.F. Wolford says. He says, Daniel's answer is a masterpiece of setting the matter in its proper light and giving God the glory. Daniel just doesn't answer him. He's going to answer him a very specific way. And so as Daniel answers him in verse 27, he says, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show the king the mystery that the king has asked. Meaning, there's not a man who is on this earth who can tell you. Even the smartest, most intelligent, the ones who are in touch with spiritual things cannot make known to you, Nebuchadnezzar, these matters. Can you imagine being the king there and hearing that and just a pause and like, okay. So you're going to die, dude. Why are you here before me? There's a key word here, verse 28, but, but there is a God in heaven. Notice that reference. Don't miss it. Underline it. Circle it. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be the latter, what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the vision of your head as you lay in bed are these. So Daniel is saying, listen, there is a king, there is a Lord, there is one who is mighty, the God of the heavens, who can reveal what you've dreamed. And so he's going to interpret it, or he's going to share it. Verse 29, to you, O king, as you lay in your bed, came thoughts of what it would be like after this. And he who reveals mysteries made it known to you what it would be. So what happens here is Nebuchadnezzar is laying in his bed one night, and he's wondering... I wonder what the future holds. I wonder what my kingdom's going to look like. I wonder what it's going to, like, how is it going to be? And as he's laying there in bed, God answers that request, which is interesting because we would think sometimes I've heard the argument that God only hears those who are his own. I don't think so. God isn't limited by that. So don't put God in your little box that's nice and safe, Okay. We see that Nebuchadnezzar's laying in bed, wondering what the future holds. Daniel says, God made that known to you. He revealed that to you. Verse 30, but as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me. Why? Not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living. Daniel says, mainly he's saying, listen, I'm not more special than all of these other wise guys. There's nothing more special. It's not because I have more wisdom or more intelligence. But in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. Mainly he's saying, I'm not going to take credit for this. And we see he doesn't take credit for it because of what he's already done in his prayer praise where he gives all the glory to God. And we're going to see it at the end and how Daniel finishes up his time before the king. So here, he is now going to interpret it. He says, you saw, O king, well, he's going to share it first. You saw, O king, and behold, the great image, 
this image mighty and exceeding of brightness stood before you and its appearance was frightening. Huge appearance of something. It was so bright. First, it was the head. The head of the image was of fine gold. Its chest and arms of silver and its middle and thighs of bronze. Its legs of iron and its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. And as you looked, mainly as you saw this image, and before you this image was, all of a sudden, there was this stone that came from a mountain that was not cut by a man. It wasn't because they put dynamite in there and it fell off. Something dramatic took place. The stone was cut, not by human hand, and it struck the images of the feet of the iron and clay. It struck them and it broke them into pieces to the point that then every part of that appearance of this was like dust and it just went away. So Nebuchadnezzar sees this great statue. It's made of these things. We're going to talk about that in a moment. And then as he's watching this great statue, he sees this rock come off out of the mountain. And as it comes, it comes and he hits the, the feet, the toes, and that breaks apart into pieces. And as that breaks apart, everything else breaks apart, goes to dust, and it flies away. And there's nothing there except for this rock now that has grown to significance and it's become a mountain. The stone... The end of verse 35, but that stone struck the image, became a great mountain, and filled the whole earth. So Nebuchadnezzar wakes up, and he's like, dude, what is this? Verse 36 says, this was the dream. Daniel says, now we will tell the kings its interpretation. Wait a minute, we? Who is that? Is that Daniel and his companions? We don't see that. Text doesn't tell us that. I don't think Daniel and his companions... I don't think his companions are there with him. His companions were in the room praying. They prayed. Daniel comes before the king. Who's he talking about? The God of heaven. The God of heaven is there. The one who can't be searched and sought. The one who is so high and mighty that who could ever comprehend? Who could ever get his input and gain that knowledge, that insight? Daniel is saying, listen, look, now we will tell the king what this means. The God of heaven is going to tell you what this is all about. The God who gave you this dream. Verse 37, you, O king, the king of kings, to whom, notice the reference here again, the God of heavens has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory, and into whose hand he has given Wherever they dwell, and children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all, you are the head of gold. I don't think Daniel is just trying to butter him up, all right, by listing all of these things because of what is in the beginning. If you take out the beginning, then it's just a buttering up and saying, hey, you're a great king, and, you know, wherever you go, you just succeed, and you just defeat all these people, and all this, all these people are underneath your rule, no, you got to see the beginning. The beginning part of this says the God of heaven gave you the kingdom. The kingdom you enjoy today is from the God of heaven. And he's going to make known to you what your dream is. And listen, that God of the heavens says you're the head. You're the gold. I do find it interesting. Can I pause for just a moment? I know I'm running out of time already, but just pause for a second. I always wondered at Olympics, you know, you have gold, silver, bronze. Whoever said gold was the best? As I was reading this, 
I'm like, huh, that kind of makes sense. So then my brothers asked me, they're like, how come we don't have uh, like metals of iron then? Or like pottery, let's have pottery. Anyway, that's beside the point. I just found it interesting. I mean, here's Nebuchadnezzar. He is the head of gold, verse 39. Verse 30, or verse 38. Verse 39, another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over, over all the earth. Let me pause here, and we're going to look at this more in chapter 7 because it, it ties into what is to come, all right? And, and uh, the coming kingdoms. When we see this, this God who reveals mysteries and what it will be like in latter days, we see this reference also in the New Testament, which is a great connection. And, and I wish I had time this morning. The reference in Acts 2.17, 2 Timothy 3.1, Hebrews 1.2, James 5.3, and 2 Peter 3.3. 3. Over and over and over, the point is this, over and over and over again, not only in the Old Testament do we see what is coming in the latter times or later, but we see in the New Testament that Jesus is revealing and has revealed not only through himself and his own teachings, but through his, his, uh, that's my warning, maybe, maybe gone, gone too long, um, but has revealed to say, hey, I want you to know some of the things that are going to happen. And so we're not just left in this wondering. No, in latter days, these things are going to take place. And when God speaks, we can have the confidence to know that it's going to come true. Why? Because of what we see here. What Daniel speaks to King Nebuchadnezzar took place. We can read about it. We read about it in the word and we read about it in history. In the historical accounts of what we're going to see, these kingdoms and who they represent. Which gives us great confidence, which goes back to what I said last week. When we look at prophecy, it should be exciting to us. It's not something we just set and cast to the side. It helps strengthen our faith. So just don't throw prophecy away. Don't just take the first six chapters of Daniel and say, hey, this is great, chapter 7 through 12. I have no idea what it means. Nor do I care. You should care. Because God has given us these tools as we understand who the God of heaven is, that he is faithful and true to his word. And he's given us some insight of what the latter days look like. So as we struggle and as we wrestle in a day and age where, where there's continual darkness, we can have some light. God's given it to us, but we choose not to study it. We choose not to dig in. And let me just be frank, we're lazy. We're lazy. We're spoon-fed. You know what? We're no different, though, than even during Paul's age. Paul's age is he's saying, listen, I desire to give you meat, but you're still on these things of milk. I want to give you more, but you're not ready for it. I think it's where we are today in so many ways, and I can't throw too many stones or too many tomatoes because I know they'll be coming at me too and my house will be broken. Listen, we've got to dig in and as we dig in and we see this, this is a great picture of us. Listen, we can take great strength when we see God revealing what the future times look like. It's not because Daniel is special, but because God, the God of heaven is speaking through him. And so God granted to Nebuchadnezzar this dream and the desire to know it. 
And so the head is the gold, is the Babylonian empire. And then we see that there will arise after him one greater. The Persians are, are, he says, inferior. Verse 39, inferior to you. When you look at history, actually the, the, the Persians are actually have more territory and more land. And, and really the kingdom is actually quite larger in a physical sense than Nebuchadnezzar and even the Babylonians after Nebuchadnezzar had. So why would, why would the text tell us here that it was inferior? Well, what we see over and over again, and I think what Daniel is trying to reference here, is that while, the, while they, their territories may have expanded, the condition of the world and the sinfulness continues to increase. Meaning, this is not headed towards utopia. All right, as kingdom after kingdom comes, they're not building something greater to be desired. No, what Daniel will get to is actually the world is decreasing and becoming more sinful and more dark. It's interesting as he records that and it helps us to see and to dig in. There's a fourth kingdom, the Persians. We'll talk about them in the future. And then after the fourth kingdom, there'll be an iron that breaks into pieces and shatters all things. I believe that's the, the Greeks. And like the iron that crushes, it shall break all these, uh, crush all these things. Verse 41, then you shall see the feet and toes partly of the potter's clay and partly of iron. And it shall be a divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of the iron shall be in it. So it's strong like the Greek, Greeks, but it has some, some places where it's fragile. I believe this is the Roman Empire that he's talking and referencing about. And at the end of this Roman Empire and even the empires after that, all right, while it may be seen as part of the iron that's in the iron and clay is the Roman Empire. See, the Roman Empire does not live today, but there's evidences of it all around us and how the world is ruled, all right? If there's a reference here to the toes, we don't see. Daniel doesn't talk about the 10 toes. He doesn't number them. But we're going to see in chapter 7 that there's 10 horns. And so there's 10 nations. I think that's a reference to the toes that are here that are to come. All right? And so we won't dig into the weeds too much today. But we see there's, a, again, what, what is going to happen in the latter days. Ultimately, we see a stone that was cut by no human hand. What is this? This is the coming of the kingdom, the kingdom of God. All right. Isaiah 2, 2 and Micah 4, 1 talk about this in reference. This isn't just Daniel coming up with this. No, the other, there are other prophets of God who have referenced what this kingdom is going to look like, the kingdom of God, in some of the same details. We see that as he goes throughout, then he reveals this. Um, and then verse 44, it talks about in the days of those kings, the king, the God of heaven uh, will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to any, to another people. It shall break into pieces all these kingdoms and bring to an end. But its kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is going to stand forever. I love the last part of what Daniel says here. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. It's true. 
I'm not lying to you, king. This is what it is. So Nebuchadnezzar, he fell on his face, and he paid homage to Daniel, and he commanded an offering and incense be offered to him. The king answered to Daniel, verse 47, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of, Lord of kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then Daniel gets elevated. He's over all of Babylon, the province. He makes a request known. That request is, hey, what about my three friends? Three friends are there, and they, he elevates them, and they're out and about, and that's where chapter 3 will come into play. Daniel is within Babylon. They are out doing their responsibilities. What do we see here? Well, first, I believe that the king here does not follow Jesus or follow the Lord. I don't think he follows the God of heaven. I think he will take the God of heaven and put him with all of his other gods. All right? Um, he, this is a, a polytheistic view. He adds Yahweh to all of his other gods, which can happen today. Can it not? I want to share just quickly, just a quick verse with you that makes it crystal clear. And it's John 17, 3. Jesus said this, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. There's only one true living God. And he sent his son Jesus to come and to take away the sin of the world. You can't place your faith in multiple gods. There are no such things. It is recorded for us very clearly that eternal life, a real relationship with the God of heaven is granted when we exercise faith in the one and only God of heaven. Through Jesus Christ. It's only through Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So as you sit here today, we would be good to discern while the king is impressed and while the king it may even be floored by this God of the heaven that has revealed these mysteries to Daniel that no one could have ever known. He does not elevate Yahweh to the only true God. What does he say? He references him. Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings. So I'm going to take him and I'm going to add him to mine. And maybe he is ruler over them, but I have all of these other gods that I will continue to worship. Essentially is what he's saying. Don't worship other gods. There is one true living God for us to worship today. There is one Savior, and his name is Jesus. And he gave his life so that we can have life with him forever. Don't be swayed. Don't be turned. Don't think that there are other things that can help you. There is no such thing as karma. And stop knocking on wood. There's no power in that. There is what one true and living God. Amen? How does this apply for us as we seek to worship him? I'm closing, I promise. Number one, God hears and answers our prayers. We see Daniel and his companions, they seek insight from the true and living God, the God of heaven, the one true living God. 
He is omniscient, meaning God is all-knowing. So why will we not run before his very presence to gain insight? God loves to answer our prayers. Why do we pray? A lot of people ask that. There's a lot of questions. Why do you eat? Why do you sleep? It's not a bad question. Why do we pray if God knows everything? Because he desires, the way he has set it up is he desires to hear from his people, from his children. He wants us to come acknowledging who he is. And the fact that we can come boldly before his throne is absolutely amazing. And so why is it that we will run to other people or we run to social media or we run and gossip and we, or in dismay, we turn all of that off in dismay. We sit in our homes and we say, I don't want to go out. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be out there. And in fear, we hide. Daniel isn't hiding. His companions are not hiding. They're going about their lives Focus, knowing that they can continually come before the almighty God of the heaven. And that not only can they come before him, but that God hears them. How awesome is that? Matthew 18 verses 19 and 20 tells us that where two or three are gathered, there he is in their midst. And so that whatever they ask, it may be granted. Do we live according to that? Do you live today that way? This isn't just some Old Testament text and it's a great story where, where this great prophet of God, God arose and spoke to him and, 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 and delivered these wise men. That's a great story, but it shows us and it shows you and me today. God loves to hear us call, call out and talk to him. He wants us to seek him. He hears our prayers and he answers them. He may not answer them the way you want them to be answered. But God is all-knowing. And he knows what is very best. And so be confident as you continually seek his face. And be confident as you pray that whatever the results are that he is in charge. And that you haven't just wasted your time. He's working even when you can't see it. The second point that I'd love to make here with us is that God is worthy of our praise and thanksgiving. God is worthy of our praise and thanksgiving. While the king isn't quite there yet, Daniel understood where this message came from. He was only going to worship one true living God. It helps us to see in this passage how do we respond as we see God working? Let's continually give him thanks and give him praise. Continue to bless his name. Not to slander it. Not to be ashamed of it. But to bless it. And to thank him. There's a story in Luke chapter 17 verses 17 and 18 that help us to see there's 10 lepers who are healed. And only one, only one comes back to praise God. To thank Jesus. And it's a foreigner. I don't think that's a slight in the text there. I think, I think it's purposefully there. We today as born again followers of Jesus Christ. Those who are trusting Jesus. Not only for our eternity. But for each day. 
How are you thanking and blessing the name of our God? Are you giving thanks? As you pray and seek him, though you may not see it turn out the way you want it to be, can you thank him? Can you praise him and say, God, I know you're in charge. I can't see it all, but I want to give you thanks because you are in control of it because you're omniscient. You can see it all. You know it all. And I'm going to keep trusting you. Beautiful picture here at the end where the rock comes and destroys all these kingdoms. God's kingdom will never fall away. There is not one mightier who can destroy his kingdom. There's not one that can defeat it. No, God's kingdom will last forever. If you are worshiping and you are following the true and living God and Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you are part of that kingdom and that kingdom will never, ever fade away. No matter what happens here on this earth, no matter what transpires in your life, no matter what hurt or persecution or trials or, or struggles or stumbling or fall, the true and living God who created you and me, who has given us faith to trust in him, his kingdom will stand forever. Now, if that doesn't encourage you, you don't have true faith in the living God. I'm sorry. We have a God who is in charge of all things. And he has revealed to us some things of the end times. And one of the things that he has said is there is not anything or anyone who will overcome his kingdom. So don't wonder if this is all true. Don't wonder if this is just, you know, hocus pocus and things to make us feel better. No, the truth of God's word says there is a true living God and he will one day come and judge the peoples of the earth. And if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, you will live forever with him in his kingdom. And until then, let's call out his name. Let's call to him and know that he is a God who hears us and answers our prayer. And may we give him praise and thanks for each new day. Because he is the God of heaven. What Daniel references over and over and over again, strength can be found in the God of heaven. Why? Even in the words of Nebuchadnezzar, he is God of gods and he is Lord of the kings. Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray that you would help us to live in faith this week. Lord, I first want to come and I want to confess. There are many days and many times that I fail to acknowledge you as you really are. There are times that I elevate myself or other things in your place. And for that, Lord, I ask for your forgiveness. We have done that as a people. As a church. As a nation. So often we seek answers from sources 
other than you. Please forgive us. Forgive us for not coming to you. For acknowledging who you are. Forgive us in our flesh and our desire to know the outcomes of situations and scenarios, many of them hard and difficult times where we become impatient. Times where we demand things of the true and living God that should not be demanded. We are just dust. And yet you are Lord. Lord, as we move forward today and this week and the days ahead, may we find strength in your word and, and understanding that we may come boldly before your throne of grace. Oh, what would we do without your grace, Lord? Your mercy, your forgiveness, your loving kindness. We need you. I need you more today than I ever have, Lord. And so help us to acknowledge who you are and to seek you with all of our heart, with all of our might, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, with all of our soul. So that in our lives, you may be proclaimed and that you may be lived out the true living God. And so that the peoples of this earth may know that there is a God of the heavens who desires to walk with man, to know us, and to be known. Thank you that all the strength that we need in our life for this day and the days ahead, all the strength can be found in you. May we turn to you. May we sit before you. May we dwell in your presence, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus.